Blog Talk Radio. If I ever do anything right, I want to be so good to this little life. If I ever wake in the night, I want to know I tried my best for this little Funded show. No part of this program should be construed as medical advice. And now your host, Gina Kirby. Good morning. Being a parent is the hardest job you'll ever have. Progressive Parenting understands this and wants you to know you're not alone. Gina Kirby is me, and I am your humble host. Although I am not a parenting expert, I am a concerned parent of four children, and as such, I understand the difficulties involved with parenthood. And join me every Tuesday as I invite doctors, nurses, family workers, authors, and experts from different fields to answer your parenting questions. Now, because this is a progressive talk show, we will broach topics or opinions that you as a parent might not otherwise hear about through the mainstream media. The mission of progressive parenting is to inform, not to preach, to share, not advise, and to connect not alienate. Today's show is an important one to me. How many times in your parenting have you caught yourself beating yourself up over something that you did? It's serious because this type of continued self-abuse can be harmful, not just to ourselves, but to others. And before I introduce today's guest, I'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor. We're proud to announce that Bebomia Incorporated is the sponsor for today's show, and they are offering this community 20% off their breastfeeding education certification. Inspired by the World Health Organization's 20-hour breastfeeding course, this online certification prepares you for all the questions you will get as a birth and parenting professional. This training is ideal for prenatal and postpartum fitness experts, doulas, childbirth educators, sleep educators, massage therapists, nurses, and anyone else that is working with expecting and new parents. Head over to www.bebomia.com forward slash breastfeeding and use the code GINAFRIENDS, all uppercase, and 20% off comes off of your total. Now, now I would like to get to my guest. I am really excited about today. Um, this topic is so incredibly important. Uh, we tend to just, golly, just beat up on ourselves about our um, choices that we've made as parents, whether they're, um, you know, whether they were like almost right on the mark or if we missed it by a ton, it doesn't matter. We just tend to be super mean to ourselves. And, uh, and I know that if you're listening and you're a parent, you know exactly what I am talking about. Uh, it's, it's really easy, I think, to, um, I think in general, just even before you have children, a lot of people are in the habit of beating themselves up. Uh, they're in the habit of not being kind to themselves. So 
I'm really excited about today's show. My guest is Leslie Potter. She's the founder of Pure Joy Parenting, a joy-based parenting model based on her experience raising her daughter as a single mom, as well as working with families. She supports mamas and a few papas who are curious as to how their shadow side plays out in their parenting. Leslie brings to the parenting discussion the view that if we don't consciously with our unconscious material that we learn to repress as children, then our children can play out that shadow piece for us. Oh my gosh, so true. As we illuminate our shadow and begin to take 100% personal responsibility for our part in the dynamic with our child, we can move from a fear-based model of parenting to a joy-based one. She is a co-author of Chaos to Connection, Nine Heart-Centered Essentials for Parenting Your Teen. Leslie is a parent coach with a background as a body-centered therapist, and she has unschooled her daughter as well as supported her going back to school on her own terms as a homeschooler. Her greatest love is hanging with other parents who are determined to challenge their conditioning and open to the wonder of parenting on their own terms. So without any further ado, Leslie, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me, Oh, good morning. Hi, how are you? Good morning. I'm well. Thanks for having me today. Oh, really happy to have you on the program. I, I always joke. I mean, I've been doing this for 12 years, and I, I say that it's not really a joke. It's the truth. Most of these programs I do are just for me and me only yeah. because all I want to do <laughs> is just be a little bit better than my parents. And no offense to my parents if you're listening right now. Um, oh, well, that's why I do what I do because I'm growing and I like to grow with others. It helps me. <laughs> yeah, right? That, that's the whole thing. Um, I've been trying since um, uh, I had my first child 14 years ago to figure out, like, how do I not do exactly what my mom and dad did? Um, there's so much of that, right, that we carry from our how we were parented into becoming parents. So let's talk about all this. Um, yeah, so it's yeah. like, yeah, I, well, I like ahead, to tell, you know, I work, I work with a lot of mamas. I work with some papas, too, but mostly mamas. And, you know, I describe it like we have a template, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, our template is what we saw and what we had around us. And then we have this huge expectation that we're going to come into conscious parenting, you know, and, <laughs> and we're going to know how to do it. And it's just well, like when I really started looking at it, I was like, well, all I have is my template. So this is all kind of foreign to me. So it wasn't really authentic when I was trying to do my conscious parenting. Um, what was authentic was my rage and my, you know, intensity underneath and all those things. And so I had to start really um, looking at that. Yeah. You know, what my part was. Well, go yeah. ahead, please. I'm sorry. I, I think you might have cut out and I thought you were pausing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Go ahead. Well, no, just you were like the authentic part of it, right? Um, yeah. I ha- I've had a guest on before where we talked about um, labels in parenting. And when I first started yeah. as a parent, I remember the first book I read that kind of spoke to me. And I thought, oh, my gosh, okay, so I'm an attachment parent. I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I even yeah. served on the board of directors for six years because I really thought, like, that's I identified with that. Um, but it's, it's taken me a really long time to figure out, like, Parenting has to be um, without labels, and and what yes. what feels right to you and what feels um, genuine to you. Yeah. Well, I was the ultimate attachment parenting also a parent, and right. I, I get a lot of attachment parents, and I laugh. I was like, 
I think most of us that come to attach, not most, but I say a lot of us that come to attachment parenting didn't get what we felt we needed as a child. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we start to parent our children as if they had our mothers, not us. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. On the, right on the nose. Wow. I've never heard right? it said like that. That's perfect. So, yeah. Well, a friend yeah. looked at me one day and she said, would you quit parenting her like she had your mother? Oh, wow. <laughs> And it was so oh, great because no. it was like, oh, yeah, I was giving my daughter all these things I didn't get, but she didn't need them. She had right. Them. Oh, so wow. So that really woke me up. It was like, oh, my God, I was engulfing my daughter. I was suffocating my daughter with all these, you know, things that I needed that I thought I wanted, which was a mother that did everything on demand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And when she was about three or four, she was like, get away, get away, give me some space. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wow, that what a revelation huge. for me right now. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> I'm going back to bed now, and I need to rethink everything. <laughs> wow. That's so true. My, the work I do, that's, I, I wonder why I do what I do or how I can do it. It's because I just rethink everything. I'm like, this is crazy. Well, first of all, it wasn't working because it was at the beginning because my daughter needed, I always tell people that first year, your children really need, you know, that kind of connection. I mean, they, you are them, (laughs) you're to their skin, you're everything. But Mm -hmm. once they hit around a year old, you know, we begin the journey of separation. Yeah. Right. And if we're so focused just on connection, 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 we're going to have a really hard time, you know, when two hits, they call it the terrible twos. And I say, it's not terrible for the children. It's terrible for the parents. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're That's just right. beginning yeah. to separate out a little bit and say, I'm, I'm a little different than you. Right. And yeah. so if we get into the attachment parenting where we feel it's for me, and I'm not saying attachment parenting says this, I'm saying this is how I read it. Right. <laughs> so, I thought it was like, you know, I had to always, always be connected, right? Mm. That was, I talk about the shadow side of conscious parenting. It's like I was only bringing the feminine to the table, and so it became this neurotic feminine because all I wanted was connection and connection. And as soon as my daughter started the separation journey, I started feeling massive feelings of rejection and abandonment. Mm. And then I started acting like a rejected person. <laughs> right? Oh, wow. And it, yeah. It got really, really messy because I wasn't really able to own my own need as a child with my mother. I didn't get to really own my need for separation. And so what I began to find was the only way my daughter could really separate was through rage, was through aggression and anger. Wow. Oh, man, I'm telling you, I'm going right back to bed after this. (laughs) (laughs) Holy cow. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And and that was the thing. Um, Like, oh, oh, she's got to stay connected. I I need to make sure that she doesn't feel rejected by me. And then kind of the same thing. It was like like an utter rejection of me. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) I'm doing something wrong. Oh, yeah. I want to like fast forward and talk about parenting a teen. <laughs> yeah. 
Because, like, I feel like, well, you know, I'm already 14 years out now from my oldest child, and yeah. my youngest is three. And everything that you were just saying right now, too, like, he's, um, uh, I go to help him. He's like, no, I, you know, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. that, that, um, the need for independence yeah. and can feel like rejection if you're not mm-hmm. conscious, mm-hmm. if you're not paying attention. Especially if you have that as a core feeling that you've yeah. been organizing yeah. your life not to feel all your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's my, my core feeling that I've organized. Every, I'm, you know, I didn't even get married because I didn't want to feel rejection. Right. Mm, and I yeah. organized everything so I wouldn't have to feel that feeling. And here I have this daughter that her core was, I mean, she was adopted. Hers was abandoned by rejection. And, oh, my God, we were in a nightmare for a while. <coughs> oh, I bet. The other thing is yeah. that was my phone ringing and it's my mom calling. Oh. <laughs> Hi, mom. Like her, we love her you. Her ears are ring, her burning right now. Um, <laughs> we, love, we love you, Mom. We love you. Yeah, we totally, I totally love you, Mom. I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, here's the thing, though. It's um, uh, what I was reading when I uh, was Googling you, <laughs> um, learning about um, bringing in hurt from your past as a child yeah. into your parenting. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're kind of delving in right now. So you can imagine I had feelings of rejection and abandonment, which I refused to feel. So, of course, I didn't want my daughter to feel those, right? My daughter was abandoned. I mean, she was, you know, I got her from an orphanage. So at some point, she's going to need to feel those feelings without attaching that to that she's an abandoned person or she's rejectable. But I was spending so much time trying to protect her from those feelings that I wasn't able to set healthy personal boundaries. I wasn't able to take care of myself. And then I started feeling so much resentment to her because she was going, of course, she would take everything I gave her. And then I started feeling resentment when I started feeling rejection, when she started saying no to me. So that was how my baggage came in. And when she would say no to me, then I would act like a rejected person. And I would withdraw love. I would say, well, I don't like you either. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, no, no. Because right when you said... Um, acting like a rejected person in my head I was like well what does that look like and then yeah that doesn't love you either kind of thing I know what that yeah. feels like yeah so then so then I started realizing whoa wait a minute this has nothing to do with my daughter because when I was healthy in my adult when my daughter would say no to me I was so happy that I'd raised a daughter that could say no right yeah yeah <laughs> Because that was, that was my goal, was to raise a child that could have healthy boundaries. But when she would say no and it would trigger my past baggage, right, and I would start to feel rejected and I couldn't separate that out from that I'm a rejected person, I couldn't just yeah. feel rejected, then I would act that way. You know, I would have said, well, just forget it. I don't like you anyway. And I was being my mother. There was my mother, you know. And I mm-hmm. began to start to really understand that my mother had a deep core of feeling rejected also. It was very healing. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. That's so huge. And going back to what you said, like your, your daughter, your mother, isn't your daughter's mother. <laughs> no. 
so hard to like, that's going to, you've blown my mind already. We're only like 16 minutes in, but I can't um, <laughs> let go of that idea or that thought because um, how many of us do this? How many of us treat our kids like they're healing from our childhood when we I are the mom, not my mother? Yeah. And that's a, gosh, that's such a big deal. I'm, I'm trying to wrap my brain around it. So how do we, how do moms, because I have a really hard time giving up guilt. Uh, I mean, even yeah. right now, I'm sitting here going, oh, man, I just want to go back to bed. I feel so terrible <laughs> about only now having this relation. Um, how do we how do we not beat ourselves up about like new info that we learn? Uh, this is a this is a common thing that comes up all the time on our program over the last 12 years when we talk about things like circumcision. Uh, parents will um, get really defensive, and and our our goal is to just inform and educate. We don't want to make anybody feel bad, and we don't want to make anybody feel guilty. But that guilt just woof, it really comes up really quick as a parent. So how do we? You know, why do we have such well, a hard time giving up guilt? Well, for me, well, I found that guilt was much easier to feel than to actually move back into self-compassion for the vulnerable feeling that was actually going on inside of me when I made those choices. Right? It's very, very vulnerable to feel rejected. Right? And I didn't know how to work with those. I didn't have a template of how to feel rejection without rejecting myself. I had a template of a mother, you know, that rejected. And so I started feeling, you know, guilt was always an indicator. It still is for me. It can be an indicator that I'm so unwilling to have self-compassion and to come back into my own tenderness of, oh, God, I yelled at her because I was feeling vulnerable. I wasn't. I, I tell parents, you're not really yelling at your child, you're yelling at yourself. It's self-aggression, right? So let's say, for example, yeah. I ask my daughter to go eat with me. I like to go out to dinner, and she doesn't, right? And then she says no to me. Then all of a sudden, my whole being gets activated into a feeling I feel rejected. And I so don't want to feel that feeling because it's so vulnerable, and I don't, or well, I do know how to work with it now. I'll teach you, but I didn't know how to work with it, and so I felt so incredibly vulnerable. Instead of owning that vulnerability, I would yell at her. You know, I would just, I would, but I was really being self-aggressive to my vulnerability that had been awakened by her saying no. Yeah. yeah. Right. So what I did, you know, this was really powerful for me. I created a process called the safe seat process for myself. First of all, I share it now where I could take myself when I would feel those feelings. I I started learning. I didn't have to act them out. I didn't have to act aggressive toward her or toward me. I could take myself to what I call a safe seat. Mine is on my couch in my living room. It's in the middle of everything. And I could take myself there and really be with the vulnerable feelings that were awakening in me, the one that felt rejected. Yeah. So I could start to love her, hold her, soothe her. And then when I noticed when I was able to do that, then I could grow back up and then actually see correctly, like I say, that my daughter was actually able to set healthy boundaries, which I'd never been able to do. Mm. So it was so powerful to realize when I could separate out from, you know, acting out that early vulnerability and I could go be with it. Oh, 
then I could show up as the adult beautiful mama that I wanted to show up with my daughter and say, wow, I love that, you know, you know yourself. I love that you don't give yourself away. I love that you know, you know, when you can say no and yes. It was so powerful to go, I want to be you. Yeah. I want that for my kids so bad. Yeah. And the only way I found that, I found that I couldn't give my daughter anything that I hadn't given myself, right? So Mm -hmm. when I was trying to give it to her, then it, it was so painful. So when I realized I could give it to myself, then I could actually see correctly and I could see that my daughter was just responding to my, my neediness. You know, she wasn't really saying no to me. She was saying no to being engulfed and to uh, trying to be my mama, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it was really powerful. Um, I, I'll, I'll give you, this is my greatest example of how I like to describe it to parents. So imagine you've got a three-year-old, right? And imagine when your three-year-old plays the game of tag for the first time. And he's out there and he's having so much fun. It's a boy. It's a boy? Your three-year-old or girl? Uh, my three-year-old's a boy. I have three girls okay. and one boy. Youngest. Okay, great. And what's his name? Jack. Jack. Okay, so let's say Jack is out. He's gone out to play tag for the very first time, and he's running around the field, and he's laughing, and it's fun, and it's great, until he's about to get tagged, and the tagger starts coming after him. What do three-year-olds usually do then? Um, Freak out, cry. Yeah. (laughs) They freak out. (laughs) They cry. They say, oh, oh, I'm, I'm I'm done. I'm not playing. Or they go, I'm sick. I'm sick, right? Or they hit the tagger. They freak out. So what do we create in the game so they don't freak out? I don't know. A safe base. Ah. Right? Okay. So we create a safe base for them because they're having so much fun, and then they're about to get tagged. So it's like parenting this way. It's so much fun until you're about to get tagged, right? And the tag in parenting is when your feelings get activated. These early feelings get activated. As soon as I feel rejected, I've been tagged, Right. Right. So I can either I can either feel sick or I can yell like the little kid. I can yell at my daughter. I can feel sick or I can say I don't want to do this game. I don't want to parent. All those are my early strategies. Or I can go to my safe base, which is my safe seat. So let's go. Mm. Your three-year-old runs over and he grabs the tree. And what does he do? Uh, I don't know. Well, he takes a deep breath, right? And he feels safe. He, like, starts to calm his little nervous system. Right. And he looks out some of the tagger, and he goes, nah, 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 you can't get me, right? Right. <laughs> but he starts, he starts to regulate. He starts to feel, and then he starts to look out at the game, and he starts to go, well, this isn't very much fun. They're having more fun out there. So once right. he's calm, then he goes out, and the next time he goes out a little further, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he runs back to the safe base when he's about to get tagged. And then he goes out further till eventually he wants to be the tagger even, right? That's how he learns right. the game. Well, in parenting, that's the same way. When we get tagged, if we have a safe base to go to a place where we can take the younger part of us, because that's who gets triggered in our parenting is the younger. My rejected self is my younger self, right? Right. As an adult woman, I'm fully aware that I have a teenager and I'm not being rejected, that she's taking care of herself, right? Right. So when I move into that younger space, I'm like about three years old in the game of tag, and if I have a safe base, which is my safe seat, 
I can go take myself there. I can breathe. I can disengage from my old story or playing my old story out with my daughter. And I can Mm -hmm. calm, and then I can start to see correctly, oh, she just set a healthy boundary. Isn't that cool? I can self-soothe this three-year-old and let her know I cannot reject her. I don't need my daughter not to reject me. I need to not reject me. Mm. So when I sit in the safe seat, I love her, and I hear her. She's going, you know, I really wanted to have fun, and nobody was there. Like a three-year-old, I hear her in my ear. (laughs) And I just go, oh, honey, you so wanted to go out to dinner with her, didn't you? You wanted to play. Oh, sweetheart, I love you, and I'll take you, or we'll call a friend. So I'm I'm soothing that three-year-old in me, right? Yeah. And as soon as I do, she starts to realize, oh, you're going to build a relationship with me. The adult part of me starts building a relationship with this three-year-old. Yeah. With me. So now when my daughter says no, I still feel rejected. I tell people I still feel it, but I don't act like a rejected person. Uh. I just go. Oh, look, there's that feeling rejected again. Okay, it's just a feeling, just like the three-year-old feels crazy when somebody's about to tag them, right? They're terrified, right? right? It's not dangerous, but they think it is. We think it's dangerous. When I felt rejection, I thought it was dangerous. So now I can feel it, and I can like, oh, I don't have to act it out to act like a rejected person, and then I can grow myself back up. And actually be the adult that I want to be for my daughter. Right. Oh, that's so good. I'm so happy to have you on the program today. Let, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, let everyone know that if you want to call in with a story or a question for uh, my guest today, the number is 347-850-1642. That number again is 347-850-1642. So um, you talked earlier about the shadow side of conscious parenting. Um, you say shadow side, because I have, I have a really good idea. We just did a, a conference in Nashville, and my friend Leslie Everett, who's a doula trainer, uh, talked about the different types of doulas exist in that, um, like there's volunteer doulas, and there's super business-minded doulas, and there's activist doulas. And, and she's like, what are the good sides? Like, what are the, you know, the beautiful light sides of this? And then what's the shadow side? And we really got to get into it. So when you talk about the shadow side of conscious parenting, what does that generally mean to you? Well, specifically, I'll try to, to what I see happening in the movement sometimes. Again, as I spoke a little bit earlier about the feminine, like parenting is, is more in the feminine arena. Right. Yeah. And so when we get in conscious parenting, it's all about peaceful parenting. It's all about um, loving and being connected. And so yeah. for me, the shadow was that, again, there wasn't any room for the healthy male energy in me, the healthy male aggression. Right. That healthy male aggression or energy can set healthy boundaries, can take care of myself, can communicate it was like I had let all that go in the name of wanting to be this gushy, loving, connected feminine, right? And yeah. so anytime that I would want to say no, I would feel selfish, abandoning, rejecting, and unsupportive of my daughter. And I didn't want to feel those feelings, right? So mm-hmm. I was really wishy. I would try to um, 
you know, like uh, limit her or I would try to make her different instead of owning my own need for separation as well as connection. I mean, literally, Gina, they're both going on at the same time, but mm-hmm. we can act out of one or the other, right? We can act, our behavior has to be connecting or our behavior is separate, separating. But they're actually going on at the same time. It's like the yin and the yang. We can't have black without white. We can't have separation without connection. But when we get so fixated, we, it becomes the neurotic feminine again. It's like when we see our children, um, healthy aggression comes up when our children are trying to say no or when they're trying to set, you know, communicate that they don't like something. We don't like it, then, right? We're not able to um, tolerate um, feelings of separation. So that's kind of yeah. the shadow side for me. So then what, how, how that plays out then is we have a lot of rage, hidden rage, and mamas, you know, are screaming and yelling at their children, and then they're feeling all this guilt and this shame instead of owning that they need separate time also. They need connection, but they also need separation. And yet to feel separation, most likely they're going to have to tolerate feelings of feeling selfish, abandoning, rejecting, and unsupportive of their children. Oh, yeah. And I, mean, yet, I know. All those feelings. <laughs> right? But I never wanted to feel those because my mom had called me selfish and, you know, all this stuff all my life. I didn't want to be seen as someone that was selfish, right? Again, I had to do it to myself, right? So every time I say no to my daughter, I still have feelings. I feel selfish. I feel rejecting because I could do it, right? So that's the shadow side for me as I had to learn, again, to tolerate um, and if you don't learn to tolerate that, you will try to limit your children. I don't believe personally that it is my job to limit my daughter. I believe it is my job to set my own personal limits and boundaries, and therefore she will meet limitation and have to work with it. Right. But I am I, not a proposal of, you know, children leave limits and boundaries. I think children have limits and boundaries, and they will – you know, come up on those if we, I think, especially in conscious parenting, we don't want to set our personal boundaries, so we'd rather limit our children. Right. Wow. Ouch. I know. <laughs> it's hard, because I would rather see my daughter as entitled and, you know, selfish than for me to feel selfish or rejecting. That's what I learned, right? And I would rather, you know, project that onto her and make her the location of the selfishness and the entitled and all that. Instead of going, yeah. you know, I want to say no. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So well, we can have an example of that, a practical example? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so my daughter is 17, and she comes to me, and she says she wants a $38,000 car. <laughs> she wants a brand-new forerunner, Right. Right. So you can imagine if that goes into me here, I'm a single mom and I work and the other. And if it goes into my place of lack and if I'm not willing to set a limit about what I want to give or not give, I start to feel bad. And so I don't want to feel bad and I don't want to feel lack. So I maybe would want to shame her for wanting that. I would say, what do, what do you think? You know, what do you think of the $38,000? You know, we can't afford that. And that's ridiculous. Right, right. And I don't even have a that, 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 right? So that would be me not wanting to set my limit. So this is how I do it. My daughter comes to me and says she wants this brand-new $438,000 car, and I'm like, of course you do. Why wouldn't you? 
You're right. 17 and it's beautiful. And I'm like, hey, why don't you start, you know, a board for that, like a vision board, and why don't we go to the dealer and let's look at that car and you can just – because I know you're going to be able to get one when you're ready, and I'm willing to give you $1,000 toward that dream. Right. Right? Because that's my yeah. limit. Because I'm not going to go into debt and then feel bad, and you're right. And she goes, okay. So we go to the dealer, and we look at it, and she's getting on Craigslist, and she's doing all this, and she finds out how much the insurance is and how much it's going to cost. And within six months, she comes back, and she goes, Mom, I think I'm really okay with sharing a car. <laughs> <laughs> Right, but right. I didn't have to tell her that. I didn't have to lead. I didn't have to limit her desire and her dream. She came to that because I was able to set my limit. And then I could, if I set my limit, then I got to support her in her beautiful vision and her dream. Right? I'm not responsible for that. I mean, of course. Who wouldn't want that when you're a teenager, Right. Right, and then in your in your way too, you're not um, adding those. I mean, as we're dealing right with that right now, I have a thing called the Culture Doula Program, and we have these doulas that come in, and uh, we have all these coaches that are talking to them. And what we're finding out is they have like so much uh, limiting thinking about money. Yeah. And we ask them yeah. to tell us about, um, you know, what are some of the things that your parents said about money. And a, a lot of those times, it was those things where they're like, "What are you? Who do you think you are? We can't afford that. Like you, you didn't say yeah. that to her. You didn't give her those limiting ideas. You yeah. just helped her to learn about like what what's possible for right now, and didn't take away her dream for actually getting it. it totally could. It you know, it's, yeah. it's completely. It's not outside of the realm of possibility. And um, yeah, and that's beautiful. It's beautiful to hear you know parents not putting those kind of limitations on their children and letting them come to their own conclusions. Uh, regarding reality or your current reality. It's beautiful. Yeah, and it's, and it's hard if we have a trigger there, you know, if we feel lack, right? So I always yeah. I recommend with mamas to say, you know, when your kid wants something, you always could say, well, good for you for asking. And this is what I'm willing to give you. Yeah. Right? Here's what I can do. Versus, right, versus, no, you can't have that. No. You know we don't have food before dinner. No, 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 no. You know we just have, and so of course you can feel it inside your being when I say that. No, 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 no. Yeah. Of course the child is going to like react against that, right? Mm-hmm. So mine is more like a keto, you know. And I like it. Well, of course you want that. You know, wow, that's a big dream and a big vision. And I always tell my daughter the other one I use is. When they're two years old, you know, we walk them into Toys R Us, and what do you think they think? Right. This whole store is for me? It's for me. I want this, and I want that. I want that. Right, and then we get mad at them. You know, they go down the aisles, and we get mad. If you ask for one more thing, I'm taking you out of here, and I'm never coming back again, right? Right. Instead of, you know, of course you want this whole store, baby. Of course you do. One day maybe you'll own it. But today, this is what I'm offering. And then we have to face, I might feel selfish. I mean, that's kind of, I might feel selfish if I only give her $1,000, right? right? I might feel rejecting, abandoning, unsupportive of her dream. But what I'm doing is being authentic and real with myself. I set my personal limit so I could feel good about me and then therefore support her in whatever she wants. Right. 
not my job. It's not your job. It's not my job to make my daughter's dreams come true. Right. Wow. So you asked me about teenagers. What did you want to know about teenagers? Everything. So she just left for coffee with her dad right now. She just walked out the door. I was like, let's oh, talk good. about her now. <laughs> oh, this is teenage business. Like, I, I really felt, and I want to get back to, before we, we end, I want to talk feeling like a good mom because I'm about to do that. Um, I feel like I did a, a really good job as a mom all the way until, like, six. <laughs> it's been downhill ever since. Like she, like around six years old, she had like the mentality of a 30 year old. Like she's very, she's always been very precocious. She's very, uh, very mature, like incredibly mature. And it's hard because you start to think that they're very mature and you forget that they're still a child. And uh, so I feel like I've made the mistake of treating her like an adult for a long time. Um, She's had a lot of freedom. She's unschooled. So that's a whole other Mm -hmm. kettle of fish that you understand. Um, I do. As a, she's been unschooled since second grade, and it. Mm-hmm. I think it was that was about age like second grade where I, I went to her school. I sat down. Uh, I was I was late for her lunch, and I brought her a special lunch. I brought her sushi, and she was so excited. And I ran into the cafeteria. And I, I didn't go through all the protocol of going into the office and getting a name tag and blah blah blah. I just ran in and sat down. So I'm sitting there with my daughter, and we're having a really great conversation about art of all things because we'd just gone to the museum a couple of days before. And I'm so enjoying her. I'm just eating her up. She's so delicious. And she's so grateful for the sushi. And uh, this is perfect, a perfect day. And the cafeteria monitor comes up to me and she says, Mrs. Kirby, I, I need you to go and get a name tag. And my daughter is like looking at each other like, does she hear what she's saying? <laughs> she just said my name. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know who I am, you just identified me without a name tag. I think we're okay. <laughs> and I just kind of dismissed her. And then she, she's like, no, ma'am, I really have to insist. And I was just like, oh, Ava goes, you're going to miss the rest of lunch if you go. She's like, it's mm-hmm. like this all the time here. Everything is about mm-hmm. rules. and I don't learn anything. And we just wait all the time for everybody to be, be quiet so the teacher can have us do something where I don't learn anything. This is a second grader. And mm-hmm. um, I said, okay. And that, that was the last for school. She just begged us never to go back again. She just thought it was ludicrous, the whole thing. But here she is, this really mature kid, and now she's 14, and I feel like like I just I, I'm not even really her mom anymore. Um, I don't I, she just, everything I do is embarrassing. Um, she's constantly forever shaking her head at everything I say, especially when I'm just being myself and being silly. Um mm-hmm. And I just feel like at a loss. I don't. I mean, she's a good kid. She never. She never really ever even gets in trouble. Uh, she does pretty much everything that we ask her to do. It's just, I. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why I'm, I feel at a loss with her. I feel like maybe I just attachment parented her so hard for like all of her life. All she wants to do is just get the heck away from me. So I don't know. I don't even know what my well, question is well. anymore. Well, what I'm well, hearing I'm is, is that, that, you know, in her, in her whatever she's whatever doing, she's that's doing, her. That's We're going to separate out, okay? Mm-hmm. But what you're feeling in relation to how she is being, she's just being who she's being, you're putting meaning to it and you're feeling rejected, okay? Mm-hmm. So I am feeling very doing, rejected by her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, but you're not actually feeling rejected by her. She is okay. triggering very, very young feelings of rejection in you. Okay, because mm. you have this fantasy that says, oh, it should look this way and it should, she should, you know, love me and she shouldn't roll her eyes and she should do this. We have this fantasy because I've been so good and I was attachment mother and I gave her everything. And why did this turn out like this? <laughs> <laughs> I breastfed you ah! for three and a half years. <laughs> right? And it's like, why yeah. am I feeling rejected? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm like going to support you. <laughs> I'm going to support you, and I'll, I'll tell everybody at the end where they can get a copy of the Safe Speak because you can get it free on my practice free practice page. But I'm going to support you in getting a copy of it because the, the opportunity here is, is that you're going to get to normalize these feelings of rejection. And most likely the reason we do that is because most likely your daughter is feeling those on some level also, right? And yeah. doesn't quite know what doesn't quite know what to do with them because our kids don't. They they have a template again. They watch what we do with certain feelings. So mm. my daughter became a master of dealing with rejection the same way I do. She just cuts me off and it drives me insane. Mm. She learned from me. She learned from the master, right? So the more that you can notice this, every time she rolls her eyes or every time she doesn't come to you and connect the way you want, just Put your hand yeah. on your heart. You just go, oh, I'm feeling rejected right now. Okay. Is it dangerous? You know, is it causing cancer? Um, am I falling over dead? You know, no. Maybe mm-hmm. I could just tolerate feeling rejected without acting like a rejected mom. Right? Yeah. So you can see we're, we're just detaching. A feeling doesn't mean that's who we are. It's just a feeling. And as children, when we had a feeling, we thought it was who we were. That's how it gets started really young. Uh. Right? So when someone told us, you know, when we were feeling angry, someone told us we were mean or we were rude or we were bad, it hooked to, oh, that's who I am. When I feel that feeling, that's who uh-huh. I am. Right? So it's very young. So as we grow up and we're able to start as adults to just start feel the feelings and realize, ooh, I really want to attach to I'm rejectable. But what if I just don't attach to that thought or question it? You know, is that true that I'm rejectable? No. Okay, that's not true. I'm just feeling the feeling. Then the feeling will travel through you. It'll travel through you and your body and it'll move on out and you won't have to relate to your daughter from the acting like a rejected person. Mm. And then once you do that, you it'll take about 90 seconds. Feelings they've shown take about 90 seconds if we don't add story to them to move through the full process of regulation. Then I'm going to encourage you to look back out from your adult eyes and see your delicious daughter, right, who mm. is learning the art of healthy separation. Because that's what teenagers are actually doing. It's the healthy art if we don't get so wounded and hurt and abandoned and then rip their doors off and do all this stuff because we feel disrespected. We can really recognize that they are not very skilled at it yet, but they're doing their best to start to set healthy boundaries. And that is what I want for my daughter. I want her to be able to say no when that boy, you know, wants to touch her in places. I don't want her to be touched. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right yeah so my favorite yeah. blog post you'll love this it was called i'm raising a girl to say no just not to me 
<laughs> now it's like, oh God, Leslie, you don't get to have it both ways, darling. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's I the thing. I wanted to have those boundaries. It's just not just not with me. Not with me. Right. So yeah. I would support you in doing that. And the other thing I would support you with a, a highly, um, I have one of those two precociously independent children, is to listen for when she goes younger. Like my daughter still likes me to um, start her shower. Mm-hmm. She's almost 18 and she'll go, Mommy, Mommy, can you do me a shower? <laughs> and I mm-hmm. grab that moment. I go, of course, sweetheart, I'd love to. But by the time she gets back in the shower, she's 35 again. Right? Yeah. Yeah, everyone's so in a just, great while. She'll be like, Mom, will you rub my back so I can go to sleep? Like, run in her room. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Right? I know. Exactly. So you just, I just tell parents, you know, you just follow the age. Because if she gets stressed, she's probably going to regress and be younger. So you meet her at that age. When she's older, you meet her at that age. She'll, she'll guide you. She'll show you where she needs to be met. It's so beautiful when we get out of ourselves, but when we just feel so invested and so, you know, kind of enmeshed, because like we see the mirror and we always think it's about us, <laughs> right? then yeah. we can't separate. That's, that's why healthy separation is so powerful. When I can separate out what's going on with me from, you know, acting it out with my daughter, that's healthy separation. I set healthy personal boundaries then I can show back up in the present and see that I've got a teenager that's learning to set, you know, personal boundaries and she's not so skilled at it yet. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, yeah, and the expectations I have for her is high because she acts like an adult. Yeah. And, and exactly. so I forget she's just a 14-year-old child. And, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's the hardest thing is separating those two uh, and remembering yeah. that she's just a, a little kid. I know she would be exactly. so mad if she didn't say that. <laughs> I'm not a little. <laughs> well, you um, didn't have to say it about her. You can say it about you. you yeah. Know, that you still have a little kid in you. Oh, right, I that still needs. All right. That still needs nurturing, still needs love, and still needs connection. And your 14-year-old probably does. You know, I don't know. You could always look at what happened for you at 14, right, because we usually parallel with our children. Yeah, yeah right? Um, oh, my gosh. You know, yeah, and then we separate out again. We go, oh, she's not, yeah. she, she's not being raised by my fourteen-year-old. She's being raised by me. Right, <laughs> right. Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe she's being raised by my fourteen-year-old. <laughs> it would times. explain a lot. Yeah, <laughs> um, at, at times, and, and we do do that. We make them the parents. You know, if we haven't worked right. through our issues. Oh no, and she totally is. I mean, she's the oldest of, of three younger kids, and she's such yeah. a mom. And yeah. Sometimes I see her parenting just like me, and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> oh man, we got to work on this before you have kids. Um, how does feeling like a good mom? How can that lead to acting like a bad mom? <laughs> well, again, when we feel like a good mom, often we're not setting healthy boundaries. We're not taking care of ourselves. We're not willing to feel those feelings of selfish and abandoned and rejecting and unsupportive. Right. Mm. So when I feel like a bad mom, because I'm saying no, and I'm feeling selfish, and it's not no to the child, it's my no. Right. It's always, I always like to say, good for you for asking. Of course, you want that. But you're asking me, and I'm saying no. I want to make that very clear. 
It's not, no, you can't have that. No, you, you know, shouldn't ask for that. No, it's not a, a limit on the child. It's my limit. So every time I set a limit, I don't, I feel like a bad mom because I feel selfish and I feel rejecting mm. and abandoning, not supportive. But I'm actually being a really good mom because I'm setting a healthy boundary for myself so I don't set my daughter up for being the entitled one and then feeling resentment. Mm. Right? But right. when I feel like a good mom, sometimes I'm overgiving and I'm, you know, spending money that I don't have and I'm giving her things mm. and I'm this and that and the other and I feel so good about myself. Yeah. <laughs> but often later there's going to be a backlash because then if she doesn't give back to me or if she doesn't, you know, talk to me the way I want her to or be nice to me, then yeah. I can turn into that rejecting mom. Nah. Right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I think if we can always remember, it's just all about me. You know, it's always about us. So the clearer we get inside our own being and, you know, not a mesh with our children, I mean, again, get that healthy separation, which is really vital. You know, we, we in this culture, we have quite the neurotic feminine and the neurotic male, and that's why we, we don't like anymore. I mean, that's what we're seeing in our culture, the neurotic male, which is aggressive and power over and you don't matter and it's all about me yeah. and narcissistic. That, that's a neurotic aspect. But a healthy, aggressive male is energy that we all need to be able to say, no, it's not yeah. okay with me. You know, I don't like that. No, that's you. This is me. And that's what I think we're missing in this conscious parenting movement is we're getting overly into the uh, neurotic feminine that just wants connection, connection, connection. And then our children are starting to carry out the aggressive, the neurotic aggression, you know, by all the violence and the aggression. Yeah. Holy wow. My daughter did. She became highly aggressive at around four because there was no separation and that's how she got separation. And then I was trying to get her to stop being aggressive, but it was actually, she was trying to say, you know, get out of my space. Right. I'm separate. (laughs) Right. Right. Balance. And if we, right. And if we see that as bad, then we want to punish them. Then we want to drug them. Then we want to get rid of their aggression. Right. Right. Because it's a mirror of our aggression, and it's really dangerous, it feels like, in the conscious, peaceful parenting movement to have aggression, you know? Right. It's bad. So that, for me, was a shadow side for me, and I lived it out. And then I had to learn healthy aggression meant, oh, I could tolerate feelings of selfish abandoning, rejecting when I set a healthy boundary. I still feel it every time I do it. Yeah. Because I could. I could get up out of bed and go make her food, you know? I could do it. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> exactly. And it's so clean when it's so clean. My daughter loves it when I'm so clean. I don't go, well, you know, I don't want to because you know what I did for you earlier. I bought you this and I took you to the store and I did this and that and the other. You know, no, that's not it. She hates that because now I'm, I'm again guilting her, right? She'll say, Ma, can you make me mac and cheese at 9 o'clock at night? I just have to go, oh, baby, I know you want it. And I am just sitting up in my bed reading my book, and I am not moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just say, no, baby, not tonight. And then she's totally okay. It's when I put all that other stuff in there that it gets really nasty. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. That's 
Uh, thank you so much for being on the program today. I, I needed this. I have, so I'm sure everybody else did, but I don't care. I needed this so bad. <laughs> I did. I really did. So how do people find out more about you, and how do they get this thing that you, you mentioned that uh, they could find online? Tell, tell us more. Yes. The, well, you can go to my website, uh, com. And you can learn more about me, but I have a fan page, which is Pure Joy Parenting on Facebook. And then there is a Pure Joy Parenting practice group that you can get through through the fan page. So this is my smaller group. I do Facebook Lives in there every Tuesday, and I give a practice for the week. The PDF of the Safe Seed is in there for free. Um, you can download it. I just did a Facebook Live today all on the safe seat, so people are welcome to go listen to that. Um, so that's the place where I am, am the most, even though I have the fan page. I'm most of the time in the practice group. I'm in there every day talking to people. Awesome. And then I also have small, you know, small groups of people. You know, I lead small groups of six to eight parents. I do one-on-one individual stuff. But my favorite thing is the groups that I lead. So all that's on my website. People are welcome to check that out. Well, fantastic. Thank you for all the work that you do, and thank you for today. Oh, my gosh. I got so much out of today. I'm so grateful. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so glad. That's why I do what I do, just to hold hands together and go, we can do this, we can do this. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's all I need to hear. That needs to be my mantra. Thank you so much for being on the program. I would love to have you on in the future. Thank you everyone for listening and until next Tuesday, please take care of yourselves and take care of each other. If I ever do anything right I want to be so If I ever wake in the night, I want to know I tried my best for this little Both my hands holding tight